Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Okay, let's go ahead and get started on this glorious, glorious post-Christmas Sunday. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And before I forget, remember, you can reach me a couple different ways. Now that I am off of suspension from Twitter, you can reach me there. My handle is at Miller Frost Show. On Parlor, I am there at Miller Frost, and my email is Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas. Mine was mine was fine. I um I finally put Mama Frost back on a plane this morning. So five days with, with Mama Frost here. And I do love Mama Frost, and this is nothing against her, but after five days of any guest, and I don't care who they are, um, I'm ready to just have some some downtime. <laughs> I don't know about you folks, but I am I'm ready to have some like no just some me time. That's all I want is some me time. And hey, when you're when she's here, we we do a lot of like we'll do some cooking, we'll have some wine and stuff. But I have to admit, I have gone from gay fat to gay obese in about five days. Oh God, I ate too much. And if you're wondering, like, well, well, Miller, what the hell is gay fat and gay obese? So I guess I gotta tell you folks, gay fat is like is like heterosexual thin. <laughs> you have to be like an emaciated waif to be uh, to get, be gay thin, and then gay obese is just I guess that's that's like a dad bot or something in the straight community. But I, I ate too much, too much uh, good stuff. But uh, I'm glad that is is over. But I do have white boy Malcolm X here, and, and sir, after this show is done, I'm throwing <laughs> I'm throwing you out too. So I, I need my downtime. But I will assume I'll see you back here on Wednesday for that show. I just, folks, I'm just one of these, um, one of these introverted, uh, more introverted people that I just need some kind of recharge time. And it's hard for me. It really is hard for me when I have people over, especially house guests, that you have to kind of feel like you've got to constantly be, uh, be entertaining all the time. And it's, for me, it's exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting to have people in my house all the time, kind of take over stuff. And then I'm like, I just go away, get out of my house. And white by Malcolm X, seriously, even if, even if, um, if one of your boys from Kingdom came over here, well, yes, we'll use Matt, Matt Loria as an example. Uh, even if Matt Loria showed up here shirtless and running around in tights, I would still throw him out the door. I'd be like, handsome, you need to go. I need my downtime. You know, um, what's his name? Jim Carrey. Now, this is a quote attributed um, to Jim Carrey. And it's just one of these things on the internet, so I don't know if he actually said it, but and I don't have it in front of me. I just thought about it, it just popped in my head. But it talks about how addicting solitude can be, and uh, and how it's just nice because there's 
quiet and calm and there's no drama. It's just, it, it's just peaceful in, in, in the solitude. And I, I looked, I read that quote and I'm like, my God, that's me. I'm totally addicted to solitude. So especially when I have someone in my house for five days, you know, be it, uh, you know, Mama Frost or Matt Laurie, who will never show up at my door, but Hey, you know, I can dream. Um, you know, it's one of these things where it's like, I just wanted to go back to quiet time. And now I get it for a couple of days. Um, until until Wednesday, we do our, our next show, I think, in theory. And then Thursday is, is our New Year's Eve kind of quiet bash. But I'll still be in bed by 9 or 10. But, uh, yeah, there's something to be said about um, about solitude and uh, just kind of having that blissful calm. You know what? You um, you missed White Boy Malcolm X. And Mama Frost and I, we... You know, we were, like I said, we were cooking and having some wine. And we, you know, we watched actually a little television. But we watched, it was on HBO Max. No, it was not not Wonder Woman 1984. I heard that's horrible. But I probably, after a couple of drinks, I probably will watch it. But we watched, it was really fascinating. It was a, um, a documentary. It was about two hours long on the Bee Gees. Yes. Yes, sir. The, the, you missed it. It was good. I actually really enjoyed it. It was it um it was kind of depressing in a way um i remember the bgs because i was born in 69 and i remember barely you know but i can remember like the saturday night fever music and and the disco era and all that kind of the abba era and, and that and i just kind of watching their kind of growth their career and, and to where i didn't realize of their four brothers right andy uh, the young one he was cute back in the day but he died at, at 30 of a heart attack because he was doing so much cocaine that his heart just couldn't take it. And he died at 30 and the other two brothers, the twins are gone. The only one left of these, um, of these four brothers is, is the eldest. Um, and it just to look at, I don't know, it was kind of depressing in, in, in a weird way to, um, to, to kind of see that because it kind of gives you the kind of the scope, scope of life, so to speak of, uh, of realizing how fleeting, not just not fame, uh, but uh, about how fleeting life is. And, you know, he's kind of reminiscing in a way of, of being the only one left. And a lot of the uh, interviews were from like uh, the earlier part of, of the century back in like uh, the 2000 or so with the other brothers while they were still alive. But it was kind of sad to kind of see that evolution. It's a fascinating story, folks. It really is fascinating. But if you're my age and you understand that um, there are fewer days ahead of you than there are behind you. The odds of me living to 102 or not are slim to none. And slim left town, but uh, it kind of gives you, kind of plants that seed in you, at least it did for me, about um, how fleeting time can be and about, um, I guess, making the most of it is, is a lesson to learn. But it was amazing, amazing documentary. Well done. And um, I highly, highly recommend it. But let's go ahead and and jump right into the stories. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X, we are starting. We are going to, I want to mix them up again. I, I kind of liked that format last uh, last Sunday. And uh, yes, it starts with a gay. We do have a gay story, but I mixed everything up. And, and we are ending, as usual, with a smoking gun story. Uh, but I've I've been so anxious to get back to this. I, I did that. Uh, if you downloaded last Wednesday's podcast, that was kind of a, I wouldn't call it a best of. What I did was I tried to compile at least one clip from every show from when we went back on the air in August through the end of um, end of November. I wanted to get 20, so I picked out like three episodes that had like two stories in them. But that's kind of a good compilation to kind of see. It's interesting, White Boy Malcolm X, to kind of hear, you know, how we started on the first episode when I was like, I knew I was really rusty then, kind of see how things have kind of gradually, I'd like to think, improved. But who knows? Depends on what the audience thinks. It might be like, you're getting worse. Stop it. 
But let's jump in and let's continue that trend. And this is from the LGBTQ Nation. And here is the headline. Let's go ahead and get the uh, the victimhood. Well, I can't say I get it out of the way. I guess it's kind of interspersed all through the episode of today's show. But this headline is quite tragic. The pandemic is hitting LGBTQ families harder than straight people. Heavens no. A recent report by the Movement Advanced Project, or MAP, found that LGBTQ families are experiencing disproportionate challenges due to the pandemic. And folks, I would challenge you to find any protected class that is not suffering disproportionately to everyone else. They all are. I don't know how everyone can be disproportionately affected compared to everyone else, but you give a liberal an opportunity to write a news story and they will find a way. The report, based on the results of a summer survey by NPR, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, found that LGBTQ households are experiencing greater financial strain, more unemployment, and bigger struggles to balance work and childcare than non-LGBTQ households. The report found, for example, that 66% of LGBTQ households have experienced a serious financial problem since the pandemic began, compared to 44% of non-LGBTQ households. So you, 44% of you straight people, you evil straight people who have suffered serious financial problems, you suck anyway. It found that 52% of LGBTQ households with children have had trouble keeping their kids' education going, compared to 36% of non-LGBTQ households that have experienced this challenge. Again, you straight people just suck. Healthcare has also been a huge challenge to the LGBTQ community, with 38% of LGBTQ... God, I'm going to... I'm already banging my head into the desk. I'm just going to say gay community. I know I'm going to, you know, anger, anger the lesbians and the bisexuals and the transgenders and the questioning, but I'm tired of going LGBTQ. 50,000 times in this stupid article. So we're going to say gay households reporting that they were unable to get medical care or delayed getting medical care for serious issues. This compared to 19% of non-gay households. God, that sounds so much better. Just rolls off the tongue. But, you know, folks, we had to make that change in the, I believe it was the 90s. I think it was just the gay community up until around the 90s. And the lesbians had to get in on the action. And then everyone else followed. So now we got like, I don't know, half the damn alphabet in this stupid acronym, and then we, got, we can't forget the plus. We've got to do the plus in there, too. The difficulties are even more exacerbated, which I'm assuming White Boy Malcolm X means disproportionately disproportionate. <laughs> because white people we know, even white gays, they suck. Because we have read, I don't know how many stories at this point, about how white queens are just monsters. They run around and party with their masks off, you know, spreading around the covid they steal all the, the, the prep in, uh, in Great Britain, in the London area, and they are viciously racist up in Philadelphia. They, that is the home of, of gay white supremacy is in Philadelphia. So we know about gay white people. So let's find out about how horrible it is for minority minorities, the uh, minority gay folks. The difficulties are even more exacerbated for black and Latino gay households. of black gay households and 70% of Latino gay households reported that they or someone in their household have experienced one or more serious financial problems since the pandemic began. 
The report also found that gay people have experienced job loss at higher rates than non-gay people. This is particularly troubling given that gay people report higher rates of employment discrimination generally and may struggle to find new jobs, wrote the report's authors. The authors added that the increased struggles of this community is not a surprise, in part because even in good times, gay people experience greater financial issues, increased health care barriers, and are already vulnerable to employment discrimination. White boy Malcolm X, I, I got two paragraphs left and I don't even know if I can go on. Of course you want me to go on. Hold on. Now I just bang my head into the desk so I can carry on through. In addition, the study mentioned the human rights campaign's findings that 40% of gay adults work in the five industries most affected by the pandemic. Only 22% of non-gay adults work in these industries. Hospitals, K-12 education, colleges and universities, restaurants and food services, and retail. The pandemic has disrupted life for all of us, said Iniki Mushevik, and if I can't pronounce that name right, I'm sorry, it's the first story out of the day, executive director at MAP. Yet some communities have borne the brunt. You tell them, sister. Black and Latinx people, low, oh, she's a good liberal, folks. If she is throwing around the word Latinx, she is a very, very good liberal. Black and Latinx people, low-income people, and as this new data show, gay people. Decades of discrimination on the job in healthcare and beyond, combined with uneven legal protections around the country, make gay people more vulnerable to pandemic-related instability and insecurity, with even more devastating impact on gay people of color. Well, it's good to see, at least white boy Malcolm X, that this is not the heterosupremacy. And if you don't know what the heterosupremacy is, you probably are part of that problem. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think this is one of those show me the money. Every time they run out with one of these articles, it's it's a show me the money. Usually it has to do with the Latinx community or the black community or communities of color who are disproportionately affected by the COVID and they want them to give them the money. They even offered folks, all those good white liberals even offered those folks of color, the BIPOC people, they offered them to be front of the line for getting the COVID vaccine. And you know what those, those BIPOC people said? Uh-uh. Why do you go first? They did not want that. You know what bothers me about this white boy Malcolm X is is how these are self-reported surveys. And we know, folks, that the LGBTQ plus community has a lot of drama queens in it. And it also has a lot of people who I would say, what is it, external locus of control where they it is this huge victim mentality they have. And they they everything everything that uh, befalls them in a bad way is always someone else's fault. So I, I can see this survey, and I, I do have some experience administering these surveys and kind of looking for those sorts of uh, uh, those biases built within, where you have people who already feel disproportionately affected and they want to blame someone else. So personally, I think that uh, that some of these numbers are skewed because of how this community tends to blame everyone else for their problems, so they're just doing it again. There you go. We are white boy Malcolm X. We are we are victims yet again. And all those straight people are horrible because they are better off than us. No, I'm not even going to read this article. It's a I haven't been broadcasting in a week in my second story. And I'm like, nah, not so much here. I'll just give you a, a quickie on it. It's the it's from the Daily Wire. And the headline, Duke University official admits it would be easy to remove due process protections from accused students under Biden administration. 
And what this has to do with is the outgoing education secretary, Betsy DeVos, put into place because on college campuses, if you are accused of rape, there is no due diligence requirement where they can basically just throw you out of school based on the accusation. The accuser doesn't really have to offer much in the way of proof. And so they kind of reversed this over the past four years with the Trump administration to say, if you're going to accuse someone of something like that, they need their day in court, so to speak. Um, some sort of you know trial on campus where they can challenge the accuser. Uh, but in college campuses, you, you don't do that kind of stuff. Those woke folk are not going to have that, especially if they're blaming a heterosexual white guy for doing something horrible, like uh, being a little bit too aggressive with the sorority sister. They just throw them out of school. They don't care. But we are apparently going back to the bad old days, but I am just, I'm too aggravated right now with that other stupid story to, to bother with this one. So if you've got a, uh, a young man in, in college, tell him to just behave himself because they're going to, they're back to the bad old days. Okay, this is from the Post Millennial, and here is the headline Seattle Antifa, who calls for violence, works as children's camp counselor. I am not making that up, folks. I am not making that up at all. And it is a world gone mad, but we keep getting more crazy. An Antifa militant who publicized a hit list of Seattle business owners has been identified as a trans, non-binary, furry, and children's camp counselor who has been arrested multiple times at violent protests. And if you don't know what a furry is... How do I describe a furry white boy Malcolm X? It is, folks, a furry is some sort of like a, you dress up in like like a costume, like a, I don't know, like a chipmunk or some sort of animal, like a furry animal. And apparently it's a sexual fetish. It's not my sexual fetish, but a furry is someone who dresses up in a costume and I, I don't know, I guess they have furry orgies or something like that. I Don't ask me. You can Google it, folks, if you want to. It's just a creepy little subculture out there. <laughs> I don't even know if it's uh, exclusive to the gay community. Wouldn't surprise me, but I, I think that I'm sure that there are some uh, some straight people in there getting that um, getting that action in there as well. But that's what a furry is. So this is a trans non-binary furry who happens to care for people's children. <laughs> On top of all that, Mikael, and I don't know how I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. It's M I K A E L E. Mikael Andrew Baker, 23, of Seattle, tweeted an extensive list of local business owners last week who signed a petition in support of the dismantling of a growing autonomous zone in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood. I guess those things are back now. The business owners were subsequently doxxed and received threats. Baker was born male, but now identifies as trans non-binary and uses they-them pronouns. So another funky pronoun, punk. For months, far-left activists took over part of Cal Anderson Park. The site was previously part of the infamous Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone during the summer. Oh, that was the, folks, that was the summer of love in Seattle, where two young black kids got shot and killed. The city dismantled that zone following several shootings and homicides, but far-left activists and vagrants returned to retake part of the park. The city recently posted notices that the encampment was illegal and would be removed. Who knew, folks, that something was still illegal in Seattle? In response, Antifa and others called for reinforcements. They barricaded the park with wooden pallets and other junk. 
These are the businesses and literally one single resident that signed a petition to sweep Cal Anderson Park. No further comment, tweeted Baker under the pseudonym at Comrade Flute, along with a screenshot of a list. In a follow-up post, a fellow Antifa activist posted all the addresses associated with the business owners. Are you ready for this, White Boy Macamex, on, on what kind of punk Mikael is? The, um, the trans non-binary furry? Baker has a long history of extremist Antifa activism in the Seattle area stemming from their days as an undergraduate student. Before coming involved in the recent encampment at Cal Anderson Park, Baker was also involved in Chaz during the summer, where, folks, two young black men were shot and killed. On their Twitter account, Baker frequently expressed support of violent extremism. A lot of people tried to reality-check me about the escalation of violence, Baker tweeted earlier this month. I am a revolutionary anarchist. I'm not a warhawk, but I see open warfare against fascists and the state as a necessary evil to achieve liberation. Baker is also a member of the Youth Liberation Front, an Antifa group responsible for organizing violent direct actions in Portland, Seattle, and elsewhere. I'm surprised this kid can even hold down a job. He's so busy with all these different different groups he's got going on where they burn stuff. Despite Baker's extremism, they work with young children as a childcare worker and counselor at summer camps in the Pacific Northwest. Under their pseudonym, Baker posts frequently about working with children. <laughs> oh, mercy. Baker has also been arrested numerous times in recent months and at violent Antifa protests. They were arrested on October 3rd by Seattle police for failure to disperse and obstructing a public officer at a riot where Antifa smashed up businesses and property. Baker was quickly released without bail, of course. Both charges were dismissed without prejudice. Well, let's go ahead and reinforce that bad behavior. Man, I have to say, folks, what is baffling, what is baffling to me is how viciously angry these these trans kids are these days. You know, they always identify as non-binary whatever. This one's a non-binary furry with his stupid special pronouns. I have to have my special pronouns while I'm burning for Antifa. You know, they finally, I mean, what did um, Elliot, uh, Elliot Page, thank you, I put back on I'm like, uh, what's, what's her damn last, his damn last name again? Um, they finally get to live, as, as he said, they finally get to live their authentic self. They're supposed to be the happiest they have ever been in their entire life. They finally get to be who they are. They've identified that they are a different gender and out they come with that and they feel so empowered, but they're even angrier than they were before they came out of the gender closet. <laughs> I just don't understand this. Why are they so damn angry all the time? I figured they'd be happy, but I guess, I guess not. I mean, this to me, they're just literally is a, a bunch of losers. They are angry at everyone else because they, they're stupid, funky pronouns. They don't get to, they don't want to accept responsibility for their failures. This kid's just another loser with his special pronouns and his furry outfits and his camp counseling. I'm sure those liberals up in, up in Seattle just love them watching their kids. You know, white boy Malcolm X, I even mixed up the stories to kind of disperse the frustrations. <laughs> it didn't work. Yet again, it did not work. Man, I have a lot of pent-up rage myself. I've had five days of ha- a house guest, and I just wanted to like, please go. I love you so much, but please go. I just want some downtime. This, folks, this is another really, this is a follow-up story, but this is really, <laughs> it's kind of sad. 
This is a New York Post story, and here's the headline. And I hope you all are sitting down because here it is. I'm just going to give it to you. Bodybuilder may spend holidays alone after sex doll wife is broken. <laughs> he broke his wife. <laughs> we did report on this, folks. The um, what is where is he from? Like Ka- Kazakhstan. Thank you. Wipe on Michael Max. Thank you. Yeah, he um, he married a sex doll, and uh, I guess he <laughs> he broke her. So let's find out a little bit more about that. With the sound of wedding bells still fresh in his mind. All Yuri Telechko wanted for Christmas was some romance amid jingle bells with his sex doll bride. But alas, dear Margot has apparently broken down, possibly spoiling the couple's Yuletide plans, according to the Daily Star. And white boy Malcolm X, what do you think he broke? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. And if you don't know, well, I'm not going to say it, but... A lot of women don't know where it is. So that means you have to listen to a former podcast. Hey, if you listen to Wednesday's, previous Wednesday's podcast, it gives you the answer right there. I think that's what he broke. The kooky bodybuilder from Kazakhstan who tied the knot with a rubber doll after an eight-month courtship now has to wait to see if her broken bits can be fixed on time. She is broken. Now she's being repaired. She's in another city, he said. When she recovers, it will be a gift for both of us. Unless he breaks her again. God. I don't know what he's doing to her, but he better stop or she's going back to the, into the shop. Telechko is holding out hope that she can return by Christmas Day, January 7th in his country. <laughs> so, folks, if I understand this correctly, Kazakhstan, they are so slow. <laughs> it takes them an additional, what, 15 days to celebrate Christmas. Christmas in Kazakhstan is on January 7th. So if you're lucky and you're, you're from Kazakhstan and you live in the U.S., you can get two Christmases. The enamored muscle man was recently seen on Instagram planting a gentle kiss on Margot, who appeared a bit stiff in her revealing white gown as she clutched a bouquet of flowers and stared into the distance at their wedding. The unconventional couple got engaged in December 2019 when the bald, blue-eyed hunk, who described himself as a sexy maniac, (laughs) popped the question. And he's clearly a sex maniac because he broke his damn wife. Telechko said he met Margot at a nightclub where he rescued her from some unwanted attention, adding that he had planned to take the plunge in March before the coronavirus pandemic hit. If his beloved gets back on time, he said, he might stay home with her and order steaks and sushi, or have some fun with friends. And I don't know what kind of fun that is. I hope it's not an orgy. He broke her on his own. His friends come over, shares the wife. That's not going to be a pretty picture there. Oh God! I got, already up with another gay, another gay story. This is from the. I'm. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna reshuffle briefly. Here, it's a gay story, but it's a light, more lighthearted story. And this is from the Mirror, and here is the headline: Man shares brutal text message he got from his mom after asking why he's still single. It's no secret that parents can be a little bit too invested in their children's love lives. From setting up blind dates with their friends' kids to getting overprotective when you finally bring someone home to meet them. They can also be pretty brutal with their opinions, as one man recently discovered. A radio producer has shared the hilarious but harsh message his mom sent to him asking whether he was still single because of his personality (laughs) or his looks. Hmm. I mean, I I guess I can't complain about my mom anymore. (laughs) Mama Frost never done anything like that to me. Adam Waterman shared the screenshot of his text conversation on Twitter, 
where it has since gone viral as thousands of singletons can relate. In the messages, his mom says she's writing her Christmas cards and asks if she needs to put Adam's name in the card or if there was someone special to add to. Adam is quick to tell his mom that he doesn't have a boyfriend, oh, so he's a queen, so the card will be just for him. She shoots back, okay, we'll do. Do you think it's your personality? <laughs> or looks. Adam replies, Jesus Christ, mom, it's Christmas. His mom doesn't feel too bad about the question, though, and simply adds, well, your brothers and sisters have partners. whole lot of queens going on in that family. More than 65,000 people like the tweet, with over 3,400 retweeting it. I don't know what's worse, her asking that stupid question or him sharing it with the world. Probably the latter. This is an advocate article, so let me just bang my head against the desk right now. No, I'm kidding. I'm not even going to read too much of this one. But here's the headline, How Queer People Can Reclaim Holiday Rituals. And yes, I know, folks, Christmas is over, but just recycle this for next year. I'll admit it. I'm a queer, lesbian, biracial, cis femme, social justice advocate, and I adore the holiday season. <laughs> oh, my. Okay, hold on. <clears throat> I do have to bang my head against the desk. Sorry there. Um, yeah, how much fun do you think she is, White Boy Malcolm X? Bex, B-E-X, Mui, M-U-I. You're like, hi, Bex. I'm Miller. And she'd be like, I'm Bex. I'm a queer, lesbian, biracial, cis femme, social justice advocate. You're exhausting me just rattling off your credentials, honey. I was raised Catholic on my Polish mother's side. Buddhism was a way of life by my Chinese father. I guess that's why even in my strongest days of Catholicism, I always had waves of space and adaptation in my practice. Like many of us in the LGBTQ community, I had a falling out with the church when I came out. It's taken years to be able to reflect on what I gained from being raised with religion and to realize what I've reclaimed for myself in my own practices. The holidays are challenging for a lot of us. You could say, hey, Bex, I agree with you there, sister, especially in this unprecedented year. The following suggestions are drawn from ways that I've reframed aspects of the holiday season, and I offer them to help you not just survive it, but reclaim it for yourself. And I am going to run these down, but I am not going to dig in, because folks, this is like, it's a really long article. Here you go. Number one is find something to look forward to. For example, when, when Mama Frost shows up, I look forward to the day I take her to the airport. <laughs> Thank God Mama Frost does not listen to podcasts. Make your own ritual. Build your own holiday community is number three. Define presence for yourself. I got myself the new AirPods Pro, and I like them. I didn't think I would, but for 200 bucks on Amazon, what the hell? And the last one is spread some cheer, which I try to do on this podcast, although those first couple stories are not very cheerful at all. I want to acknowledge that this isn't easy and it isn't for everyone. I have a lot of privileges that make the holidays easier for me to reimagine and redesign. If you're overwhelmed and want to block out these months each year, please take care of yourself and meet your needs. Reframing doesn't happen overnight. My last offering for today is to be kind to yourself. Again, amen, Sister Bex. What is it? I mean, that's actually kind of nice. I mean, the article is actually very interesting, and it is a good way of kind of, you know, making the best of a uh, best of whatever situation, right? So you might not always have the best situation at home or what have you, but uh, these are some good this is some good advice. But I don't understand. Queer lesbian, biracial, cis femme, social justice advocate, and she talks about her privileges. I don't know what it is with with liberals and their obsession with pointing out. All their privileges. They always talk about why. 
you're privileged, I'm privileged, he's privileged, she's privileged, they're privileged, because if they got the funky pronouns, you got to recognize that too. They are obsessed. They are obsessed with privilege. Speaking of which, how's this a Fox News story, and how's this for a headline? Nevada charter school students were instructed to link aspects of their identity with oppression. (sighs) These people, folks, are like the frickin' Terminator. They just don't ever stop with this crap. This oppression and racism and systemic racism and white privilege and yada, 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 blah, 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 blah. They just do not stop ever. No day is a holiday from this crap. Let's find out what's going on out in Nevada. Critical race theory is the latest attempt by the most privileged people in our society to displace the blame for their mismanagement of the country onto the people below them. A publicly funded charter school in Nevada created a hostile environment for students by instructing them to associate aspects of their identity with oppression, a new lawsuit alleges. The suit was filed Tuesday by a high school senior at Democracy Prep at the Agassiz campus in Las Vegas, who claims he was forced to take the course, titled Sociology of Change, in order to graduate. William Clark, whose mother is black, and she is capital B black folks, so you know she's black, and deceased father was white, claims he felt discriminated against and harassed by various aspects of the course, including an alleged assertion that by not identifying with an oppressive group, students were exercising their privilege or underscoring their status as oppressive. Clark and his mother, Gabrielle, are seeking damages for severe mental and emotional distress, as well as allegedly permanent damages to his academic career. Rather than allowing William Clark to avoid the class or replace it with other alternatives, the school insisted he complete it, according to the complaint. One of the instructional slides included in the complaint shows lists dominant groups in American culture as white, male, middle-upper class, heterosexual, and Protestant Christian, while everyone else is classified as submissive. So white boy Malcolm X, you and I check off the white, we check off the male, we check off the middle to upper class. I'm more middle, you're more upper. <laughs> because you have the uh, the white boy Malcolm X trust fund, and I don't have something like that. We do not have to check off the heterosexual box, thank God. But we do have to check off the Protestant Christian box. So I guess I am one, two, three, four, five. I am 80% oppressive, 20% submissive. Catherine Bass, Clark's teacher, who was named as a defendant in the suit, similarly associates elements of her own identity with privilege. And white boy Malcolm X, would you like to hear Mrs. Bass or Miss Bass identities? You would. Okay, here they are. So race, ethnicity, nationality, white Irish American citizen, and that is deemed privilege. Gender, female. So that is oppressive. Socioeconomic status, working class. That is oppressive. Sexual orientation, bisexual. So she's both, folks, she is both privileged and oppressive because she'll do anyone just like a bisexual would. I'll do anyone. Disabilities, mental health. You could say that again. Both privileged and oppressive. So you folks, if you have mental health issues, you can be both oppressor and oppressed. Religion is agnostic, which is oppressive. Her age is 22. So she is both privileged and oppressive. I don't know how you figure that one out. And her language is English, and that, folks, is privilege. She also allegedly addressed students as social justice warriors, taught students that black prejudice does not affect the rights of white people, and used the meme to argue reverse racism doesn't exist. 
Clark and others in his class allegedly objected when they were taught those ideas, according to the complaint. The complaint, which was filed in the Nevada District Court, claims that Bass terminated class discussion amid in response to Clark's claim that everyone can be racist and that prejudice anywhere from anyone can harm others. Typical liberal. Anytime they hear something they don't want to hear, they just shut it down. They just scream at you. Racist! Racist! Just shut it down. I'm done reading about this dopey chick. Poor kid. Well, folks... If you don't have a lot to look forward to when you send your son to college where he can be accused of something and get thrown out without the opportunity to defend himself, you get this crap in high school and, and younger. I saw an article. I didn't print it out. Maybe I'll try to dig it up for Wednesday's show where, you know, they're teaching this crap to like three to five year olds. <laughs> they can't stop. I told you, folks, they cannot, cannot stop. Okay, this is from... Queer. Now I want something funnier than that. I'll put. Let me push that one back real quick. This is from the Oregonian, and here is the headline: Bootleg blueberry wine triggers Alabama sewage plant raid. And folks, I thought this was a good Florida story, but since Alabama is close to Florida, it kind of counts. Alan Maurice Stifle is facing 20 years in prison after local and state law enforcement agents raided the sewage plant he manages. Was Stifle threatening the welfare of the Rainsville, Alabama community with some form of sabotage? I was making blueberry wine, Stifle said in a telephone interview. Yes, folks, he was making that wine at the sewage plant. Mm-mm, good. The citizens of Rainsville voted in August to end a long dry spell by legalizing the sale of alcohol. On November 9th, the city published a list of the first three businesses receiving alcohol licenses. Unfortunately for Stifle, the Rainsville Wastewater Treatment Plant is not on the list. Relying on an anonymous tip, probably one of those first three businesses, law enforcement officials raided the WTTP on the afternoon of December 17th. DeKalb County Sheriff's Office investigators and narcotics unit agents seized approximately 200 gallons of wine. I bet it was delicious. They were assisted by agents from the Alabama Alcoholic Beverage Control Board Alabama Law Enforcement Agency, and State Bureau of Investigation. Man, they got, folks, that's a whole lot of cops for blueberry wine at a sewage plant. I got nothing else to do, I guess. DCSO officers arrested Stifle the next day. Stifle is charged with a misdemeanor offense of unlawful possession of an illegally manufactured alcohol beverage. He is also accused of the Class B felony of using his official position for personal gain. So you definitely know, folks, that this this story is not coming out of Florida because it would not be... There are no felonies in Florida. Literally, folks, we had a story. It was a smoking gun story, right, White Boy Michael Max? Where an underage kid was driving drunk in his car with an AR-15 fully loaded and ready to go, just driving around Florida. And they busted him, but they were three misdemeanors. <laughs> but this one... Using an official position for personal gain. Hmm, who knew that we actually charge people like for that? I hope those folks in Washington don't get wind of it. This is a section of the Alabama Code best known for sending politicians caught lining their pockets to jail. In Alabama, a Class B felony carries with it a maximum fine of $30,000 and a possible prison sentence of 2 to 20 years. Stifle, 62, spent an hour in the DeKalb County Jail before his release on a $20,000 bond. Roger Legerfeld, Rainsville mayor, announced that Stifle would be suspended without pay during the investigation. So folks, I grew up in the South, and I've been to Alabama, unfortunately, numerous times. <laughs> Too many times, but I've been there, and 
I have absolutely, I've, I have never heard of Rainsville, but I have absolutely no idea where it is. So let's fill in that piece of information for all of us. Rainsville, a growing city with a winning location, is a small northeast Alabama town with 5,000 residents. I'm sorry, but northeast Alabama is not a winning location in anyone's book. I don't care how deluded you are. I don't care how much blueberry wine you have been drinking. That part of Alabama is the ass end of Alabama. And, well, if you've ever been to Alabama, the whole state's like that. With 5,000 residents, 15 churches, and a killer boys basketball team. And, okay, let's just stop right there. Right there, we're going to go ahead and stop. Ladies, if you are a high school teacher, no, just stop it. And where's the mayor? What's the mayor's name again? Roger Lagerfeld. Sir, you need to barricade the town right now. I'm telling you. If you, you're going to get like 10,000 applications to teach at the local high school, because the second, the second a, uh, a high school teacher in the United States hears about a killer boys basketball team, They are going to be all over that like white on rice. They're going to want to bang all those boys many times over. So, sir, barricade that town in the ass end of Alabama. Anyway, picking back up. (laughs) White by Michael Max, I saw that and I'm like, you know what, though? We have not had, folks. We have not had a, uh, I guess because it's the holiday season, the kids are not in school. (laughs) Man, I tell you what, January, those kids come back. Those teachers are going to be horny because they ain't getting it from their husbands. They're going, to want, they're going to want those boys. But uh, we have not had any stories about uh, teachers banging high school students for a couple weeks now. I think ever since that, that dopey 32-year-old chick got off uh, in, in Great Britain banging that 14-year-old boy with the excuse that she thought he was 16, which makes us <laughs> so much better. But, you know, hey, that is as it is. Anyway, picking back up on this, again, ladies, no on these students. Again, uh, Mayor Lagerfeld barricaded the town. It really is an unusual location for a national news story like this to develop. Marla Jones, the managing editor of the Southern Torch News Organization, said in a telephone interview. And you can say that again. So there you go, folks. Delicious blueberry wine made at the sewage plant. And half of Alabama's police department had to raid that puppy to get that evil criminal. They're going to lock him up in jail for 20 years. And and, uh, Florida, he might spend a day doing community service. Okay, here we go. This is a Queerty article, and here's the headline. Zachary Quinto's new project explores forgotten gay purge at Harvard. And if you're like, Miller, who the hell is Zachary Quinto? He's, is, he's Spock. And uh, he was not Leonard Nimoy, but he was, uh, in, on, I called it hipster Star Trek. It was. It was kind of with um, Chris, um, what, one of the Chris's, which, Chris Pine. Thank you, white boy. I'm not going to go. Chris Pine was Captain Kirk, and Zachary Quinto was Spock on Hipster Star Trek. And actually, before I get into this, I do have an interesting story about Chris Pine. I was, um, so when I lived in L.A., because I left in 2009, but before then, I was going to a private gym. And it was one of those gyms you could not go there unless you were working out with a trainer. Now, you could go there and like do the cardio and stuff, but if you were lifting weights, you had to be with a trainer. So that's where I was. So... I'm at the gym with my trainer, who's a super cool guy. This was like 11 years ago, 12 years ago, maybe. And a couple times I was there, there was this kind of cute guy there. I thought he was kind of cute at the time. But he always had a trucker's hat on. And um, those goofy, like, uh, Ed Hardy trucker's hats. And he would uh, just literally just kind of place it on his head. If you imagine his hat, just like literally just, it wasn't, I don't know how it stayed on his head. And it was always on, just, just barely. 
and it was like turned to the side slightly. So it was like at a 30 degree angle, just sitting atop his head, perfectly atop his head. I don't know how he like, glued that thing onto his, on his head. But one day my trainer's like, well, do you know who that is? And I'm like, I don't know. It looks like a douchebag with that stupid, you know, trucker's hat that Ed Hardy had on his head, you know, just lightly atop his head crook sideways. And he's like, that's the new Captain Kirk. And I'm like, that is exactly who that is. So I used to work out with the gym and I'm not bragging about it. I'm just like, I just thought he was kind of a tool when I saw him. And then I'm every time I, every time I see the guy now, I just think of him working at that gym. This was before Star Trek came out even. I think that was before he actually got famous, famous like he is now. But he was just at this gym with a stupid hat on. That's all I, every time I see him, I think about that and, and how he and Zachary Quinto ruined, ruined Star Trek. Him and then them and, uh, What's that dork's name? J.J. Abrams. Thank you, White Boy Malcolm X. Ugh. I'm a Trekkie, folks. I'm sorry. I just, I'm just i a Trekkie. I like the old school Trek. I like the original series. I like The Next Generation. I like all those, but this hipster Star Trek reboot crap was... Well, that failed after a couple uh, movies. Anyway, let's find out about Zachary Quinto's new project exploring a gay purge at Harvard. Imagine those white liberals, those prissy white sanctimonious liberals at Harvard having to fess up to this. Let's find out. Zachary Quinto, Spock on Hipster Star Trek, has announced that he is to produce and star in a new podcast exploring a little-known episode of queer history. Secret Court will be a scripted podcast looking at events at Harvard University 100 years ago. Well, I'm glad he's getting around to that finally. In 1920, an undergraduate named Cyril Wilcox dies by suicide. Wilcox was gay, and following his death, the university launched a witch hunt against fellow gay students and faculty members. Kind of like they, they do now, folks, with conservatives. It set up a secret court to root out and expel anyone it believed to be gay. Led by then-President Abbott Lawrence Lowell and deans, the court condemned eight students, four accomplices, and a handful of Cambridge locals. And white boy Malcolm X, what do you think they mean by accomplices? Well, yes, I guess a bisexual. Someone who just dilly-dallies with them from time to time. Someone that helps them get laid, I guess would be an accomplice. The students were expelled from the university, and any official record of them ever attending Harvard was expunged. Mercy me, they are they're horrible down there. Horrible at the Harvard. One young man, a 23-year-old dentistry student, killed himself before he could be expelled from the famed Massachusetts institution. The entire incident was kept a Harvard secret for over 80 years and was only publicly revealed in 2002. In a statement, Quinto, who starred as Spock in the horribly rebooted hipster Star Trek movies and recently featured in Netflix's The Boys in the Band, said, I'm honored to lend my voice and help amplify the story of these promising young members of the LGBTQ plus community who were marginalized and sidelined due to the social intolerance of their day. A hundred years later, I am grateful to their contributions and sacrifices, and I recognize that I stand on their shoulders today. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, why exactly that is a podcast, but I'm going to assume it's because that would just make a really horrible, horrible movie. Even Netflix is like, I am not going to, we're not paying for that. We're not paying for that garbage. Make it a podcast and play it there. There you go, folks. I wonder also if a hundred years from now, they will, they will have a similar story about how all these nasty woke liberals on college campuses t 
target and uh, and run off the the conservatives. Okay, moving on from that that hot mess. This is a CNS news story, and here is the headline: God, this stupid queen. Buttigieg sees himself enhancing equality, delivering on climate, creating jobs, ensuring safety. Yes, folks, Pete Buttigieg, who probably couldn't fill a pothole in his life, is supposed to be taking over the Department of Transportation. But instead of enhancing transportation, he's focused on equality, climate change, and um, creating jobs. Shovel-ready jobs that are never quite as shovel-ready as they promised. We can't keep letting Infrastructure Week be a Washington punchline, Transportation Secretary nominee, and the man who could not fill a pothole if his life depended on it, Pete Buttigieg, told CNN State of the Union on Sunday. He views his new job, assuming the Senate confirms him. Mitch, Mitch, if you're listening to this podcast, dear God, stop that in its tracks. As a chance to actually get something done. He doesn't know what to do, but he's going to get something done. He's going to do something. Something very big and important. Whenever a liberal starts talking about getting something done, you know you're about to get screwed. A deal is not just possible, it's necessary, Buttigieg said, speaking of the nation's infrastructure. And here is his statement on this. Again, Americans shouldn't settle for less than our peers around the developed world when it comes to the infrastructure resources that we really count on. And that's part of the mayor's... (laughs) He's a mayor of some rinky-dink town in Indianapolis... He acts like he's the the mayor of the world. I think, too, when you come from that background in a community like mine, where daily life is shaped by transportation, but so is our economy. And that's true in so many parts of the country. So when I think about the opportunities ahead, I'm thinking about jobs and economic opportunity. I'm thinking about climate. And there's no way we're going to do what we must do as a country unless we move the transportation sector forward. And you look at what America is capable of on everything from electric vehicle production to what we could be doing with our power infrastructure. The opportunity is huge. And there's also an opportunity and an imperative when it comes to justice. It's disproportionately black and brown neighborhoods that were divided by highway projects plowing through them because they didn't have the sometimes the political capital to resist or sometimes nothing at all coming to the most low-income or minoritized communities. We have got a chance to get that right. Mm -hmm. You tell them, Sister Pete. So enhancing equity, delivering on climate, creating jobs across the department's fundamental mission of, of course, ensuring safety. Thank you for throwing that in there. Good to know. Good to know that's on your mind. And there's a lot we have to do. I mean, don't worry, folks. Safety is not nearly as important as enhancing equity and delivering on climate, but it's in there. And there's a lot we have got to look at, not just with traveler safety, but of course, the safety of the many workers who are working in transportation and that field in general, but especially now. So he is going to make an absolute disaster of the Department of Transportation. All they want is uh, all those huge grants to blue states to do stupid things like putting carpool lanes and, and what have you. Trains that nobody rides. Oh, Lord. This is a Yahoo News story. I did I did say I would stop saying the word thruple after the new year, but I guess I guess I uh we have what how many days? Four days left, five days left. Here's the headline. Former US representative Katie Hill sues X media over nude photos. And Katie Hill is the thruple chick who was a representative in Congress, and it was her and her husband and I don't know who else, because I'm not that interested in the story, but Thruple Chick 
is suing her ex-husband and two media outlets. But let's find out more about Ms. Threpple. Former U.S. Representative Katie Hill sued her ex-husband and two media outlets Tuesday for distributing non-consensual porn that helped torpedo her political career, which was about a year old. Hill sued Kenneth Heslip, who she said launched a scorched earth attack on her after she broke up with him by distributing nude photos to the Daily Mail and Red State, a conservative media site. So I guess when I say that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, I will amend that. (laughs) Hell hath no fury like uh, an ex-husband who's pissed off about the thruple wife scorned. Less than five months after the breakup, naked images of Hill that only Heslep had previously possessed were published globally on the internet alongside intimate text messages and cruel lies, the lawsuit said. Media defendants helped Heslep maximize injury to Hill, widely amplifying and publishing deeply private and degrading confidential information and false statements all supplied by Heslep. Hill's lawsuit renews abuse allegations she made in her divorce case against Heslep that led to a temporary restraining order against him earlier this month in Los Angeles Superior Court. Heslep, 37, was ordered to stay at least 100 yards away from Hill, her mother and her sister, as well as Hill's dog, goat, and horse. I don't know what he's doing there. She claimed, this is her claim, Miss Thruple, he had killed her pets in the past to terrorize her. Folks, he didn't just kill one pet. He killed more than one pet. And now she's terrified for her... Who the hell owns a dog, a goat, and a horse? (laughs) Other than Miss Thruple. Man, is she hysterical. Hill, 33, resigned from Congress last year after nude pictures of her and an aide were leaked to conservative media. Haslip has previously denied those allegations. Hill acknowledged having an inappropriate affair with a female campaign aide. Oh, white boy Malcolm X. She's bisexual. (laughs) She'll do anyone because she's got her husband there. Maybe she's doing him. Maybe she isn't. But she's doing some female campaign aid. She's doing some uh, some chick there. But here's the good part. But denied allegations of a relationship with a male congressional staffer. I banged the woman. I didn't touch that guy. He was, I was waiting for some teacher to come get him. (laughs) Man, oh man. A relationship with a congressional staffer would have violated House rules. Really? Really, they're going to enforce that in Congress? Those pigs. <laughs> okay, there. So, Representative Katie Hill. Yes, I'm done reading about her. Bisexual. I did her. I didn't do the other guy. I guess her husband was enough. Enough of that for her. She had her fill with men. She was just doing some chick. But I, I don't know who the two of them were doing. Apparently... She can't be a thruple chick unless she and him are doing someone else. I wonder if that was the intern that they uh, they did. But quite frankly, I really don't care enough enough to worry about it. This is from the College Fix. And how's this for a headline? At Georgetown, another. So we were over at Harvard, which is a snobby douchebag school. Harvard. I'm going to Harvard. I'm an Ivy League person. I do love the Northeast folks, but... Some of these people and their um, their school pretensions are just its kind of a little bit uh, obnoxious. It's like, you know what? You got your diploma. And let's face it, at Harvard these days, they'll give anyone an A. Here's your A. Because God forbid, you know, they don't want to get screamed at for being a racist or a homophobe. So here's your A. Here's your easy A. Everyone there, the great inflation at these Ivy League schools is, here you go. But they are the biggest pack of little snobs running around here in, in Boston. I went to Harvard. I went to Yale. I went to Brown. Blah, blah, blah. And Georgetown, 
is the douchebag school of the D.C. area. So let's find out about this one at Georgetown, program supporting students of color accused of racism. So it's like we're not really supporting you. We are just racist. Every current member of a Georgetown University campus program designed to mentor students of color recently resigned, citing racism, queerphobia, sexism, and classism. <laughs> That's rich. Someone complaining about classism at that snobby douchebag school in Georgetown. The Patrick Healy Fellowship Program is a highly selective leadership community for Georgetown undergraduates that focuses on addressing issues that affect communities of color, according to its website. Housed in Georgetown Center for Multicultural Equity and Access, the program has long been at the forefront of campus activist causes. I bet. Early last month, however, current members of the program resigned en masse, claiming its leadership, despite being former fellows themselves, exhibited racism among other offenses. So real quickly, White Boy Malcolm X, if I get this right, a bunch of minority students had a rage fit and quit because the other <laughs> minority students who were supposed to be mentoring them are a bunch of racist, queerphobic, sexist, classist douchebags <laughs> running around Georgetown. The program boasts a challenging GPA requirement to apply due to the immense resources it provides to students like alumni mentorship, interview practice, and leadership trips. Well, that doesn't sound like an immense resource. None of them do to me. Georgetown junior Rimpal Bawa, one of the members who resigned, told the Hoya campus newspaper that this requirement prioritizes academics over activism and is classist and elitist. You tell him, Rimpal. We don't want any of that, folks. Can you see this little high-maintenance douchebag? I don't care about, about grades. This should be about who's going to get out first and riot and, and protest the most. And if you don't let us do that, you're just classist and elitist. Yeah. Former fellows also complained of racism in the form of one white board member. Oh no, white privilege, folks. White supremacy. An alumnus of the program describing one black applicant as aggressive after her interview for the program. Bawa told the school paper that hearing that language of an angry black woman, that's such a stereotype, and it's such a trope that's been used to mitigate the voices of black women, and folks, he's saying capital B black, so you know she's a black woman, it was definitely a very racist and sexist thing to say to a black woman. So white boy Malcolm X, let me, just, let me ask you a question. So what if, if truth be told, she is? What if this black woman, capital B black woman, is aggressive and kind of a bitch. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if that's true, I mean, look, folks, you can be a black woman and be aggressive. And it doesn't mean if I say, well, damn, honey, you're a little bit aggressive. It doesn't mean I'm a racist and a sexist. It means you're just being aggressive. I perceive that as, as you being aggressive. And there are aggressive black women out there. And you, if you're a pansy liberal out there, you can cry about that all you want. It, that's just the truth. As you like to say, I am speaking truth to power. So there are... There are aggressive uh, white people out there. There are aggressive black people out there. There are aggressive queens out there. <laughs> All sorts of aggressive. So, I mean, do you think that matters, white boy Malcolm X? Or you don't think that you... The fact that she's black doesn't matter. If you go in there and punch that guy in the face, and if he says, man, that woman was aggressive, she hit me in the face, they'd be like, you racist, sexist pig, you. So he just needs... He's white, so he should just take the beating. Uh, because anything he does to uh, complain about it Mm -mm. Racist and sexist. Let's find out more about what's going on with the pack of drama queens over at Douchebag Georgetown. 
Another request also calls for the removal of the minimum GPA requirement. The last of the resigning fellows' central grievances is an ambiguous allegation of sexual assault. Mm-mm. They seek removal of certain fellows given allegations of sexual assault and lack of contribution to the fellowship according to their statement. Well, that's, here's a question. If this is a program run by minorities, except for that racist, sexist white guy, who might be rapey as well, but I'm wondering, White Boy Malcolm X, if, if they are accusing someone of being a rapey minority, if someone's out sexually harassing, if this is a, theoretically, if this is a group of students of color supporting and mentoring other students of color, except for the sexist, racist white guy, I wonder if we do have, folks, a rapey minority in the mix. These three main complaints, but I guess, can you be a rapey minority? <laughs> or do you get a free pass on that too? You can be aggressive or rapey, and if you say anything about it, you're just a racist and a sexist. These three main complaints created a culture of repeated instances of racism, queerphobia, sexism, classism, etc., as the former fellows described in their resignation letter. You big babies. <laughs> I'll tell you what, folks. Um, hey, Rimpal Bawa, you, you and your buddies... I hate to break it to you, but uh, you are in for a world of hurt when you get into the real world. If you guys are throwing a fit about stupid stuff like that, I guarantee you, whatever they're complaining about isn't near as serious as they'd like to make it sound. Because you can just look at a person of color the wrong way, and you are automatically a racist. If you forget to use the right pronouns, if you don't write down someone's special pronouns and you refer to they as a he, that is homophobia. That will get you in a lot of trouble because the trans community folks, they expect you to memorize their funky pronouns and you better do it and you're going to be in trouble. Speaking of cranky transgenders, this is a post-millennial story and how's this for a headline? Social justice warriors are trying to make baby Yoda trans. Everyone's a trans, I guess. And I have not. White Boy Malcolm X, have you even watched? I know you were watching Kingdom. Have you caught up with the first um, season of The Mandalorian? Because I'm ready to go for season two. Well, sir, you need to get on that right now. You need to get on that. On that right now. Because I'm ready to go. And I'm not waiting for you much longer. So anyway, let's find out about Trans Yoda. <laughs> After the world fell in love with the innocent green darling from The Mandalorian, unhinged leftists are attempting to trans baby Yoda. In an article entitled A Trans Non-Binary Person's Perspective on the Gragu versus Baby Yoda Debate, and I guess, folks, Gragu is what Baby Yoda's real name is. I haven't watched it yet. We haven't watched because someone in this room will not watch the first season of The Mandalorian for me to find out about why Baby Yoda is now Gragu, but that's what's going on there. First-time author Ace Schwartz at the Mary Sue argued that the embracing of Gragu's mid-series name change has very clear connections to the transgender community here. <laughs> all about me. It is all about them, folks. I don't identify with the gender I was assigned at birth. <laughs> so I already know what Ace is like. And I also identify outside the male-female gender binary that is so entrenched in our society. I know, folks. Folks like me, I'm I'm 51, and I know I'm an old fuddy-duddy, but back in the day, there used to be men and there used to be women. There were boys and there were girls. And now we have seven different gender identities. And I keep forgetting to write this down. 
there's there's a male, female, there's transgender, there's uh, the questioning, there's the non-binary, whatever the hell that is, and, and there are two other genders, but apparently there are lots and lots of genders, and you people like me are just horrible if we just expect you to be a male or female. <laughs> because some people are too special just to be a male or a female because they don't want to be a boy and they don't want to be a girl. They want to be extra special and make you memorize their special gender and their special pronouns. And it's all about them. And even though they're living their authentic selves, they are crankier than ever. And they are as nasty as ever. They are just angry, angry, angry. And so is Ace. Let's find out. Sorry. I'm just, I'm already riled up from what was that article we did? Um, yeah, the Seattle Antifa chick the trans the furry the trans non-binary f- creepy furry who's teaching kids uh you know babysitting kids in seattle anyway let's pick let's start that paragraph back up i don't identify with the gender i was assigned at birth and i also identify outside the male female gender binary that is so entrenched in our horribly horribly racist homophobic society ace is not the name i was born with and it's a name that means so much to me I guess you could do better, but I just keep thinking, every time I hear Ace, White Boy Malcolm X, I'm thinking Ace Ventura. I'm thinking of, um, of what's his name? Jim Carrey. Yes, thank you, White Boy Malcolm X. It was this epic moment of recognition and validation that still makes me all warm inside, but yet, honey, you are still angrier than hell, even though I've been using Ace for almost three years now. So, of course, I immediately made the switch to calling him Gragu Shores Wrote. According to the writer's biography, Schwarz uses they, them, theirs pronouns. Of course, they do. The middle school science teacher from Philadelphia. Jesus Christmas, another one. Another one with the kids. Is a social media activist at Teaching Outside the Binary with nearly 30,000 followers on Instagram who educates folks about how to create LGBTQ plus inclusive environments. And they don't say folks like I do. F-O-L-K-S. They say folks like Latinx, F-O-L-X. <laughs> oh, man. I bet. You, honey, you are ace. Ace, the last thing you are doing is making an inclusive environment for anyone but people who think just like you. Angry, angry, angry. Those outside the show quickly gave Gragu, the beloved character from the Disney Plus original television series, the moniker Baby Yoda, given his striking physical similarities to the epitomous Jedi Master. Gragu's real name was revealed just weeks ago in Chapter 13, The Jedi. Which I can't see, unfortunately, because someone else won't watch the rest. So I'm just going to start without you. Or I'll, um... No, I'm not... Look, I finished... Sorry, folks. This is a little bit of a slide. i got to argue with him. You know, I... In my defense, I finished Season 1 of Kingdom, and I said I would get to Season 2, but, you know... It's 20 damn episodes, and that is a lot of commitment for me right now. I will deal with it at the beginning of the year, my friend, when uh, this dumpster fire of a year is over. In the meantime, you got one week to watch that because I'm going to start um, The Mandalorian again. So there you go, folks. This one, Ace, is a is a uh, another humorless transgender. Everything's about them. This is a Bloomberg article. More death, folks. Denmark to dig up millions of dead mink after rushed cull. Hmm. Denmark will dig up millions of dead mink after a hasty cull and burial intended to stamp out a coronavirus mutation ended with the rotting carcasses. 
triggering a new contamination risk. I shouldn't be laughing at millions of dead mink, but I'm just stupid people in Denmark. Kill all the mink. And they just bury them. They just buried a mass grave. And all these rotting carcasses. No one thought, hmm, what happens if you put a couple of million rotting carcasses together? I wonder what you get with that. Nothing but trouble. The exhumation of about 4 million that is a lot of dead mink, folks, will take place in May with a six-month waiting period deemed sufficient to ensure the bodies will be free of the virus and safe to handle. So they're worried about a contamination risk, but they're going to let those rotting mink, there ain't going to be nothing left of those damn things in five months. They're going to get around They're like, oh, well, I guess there's nothing to do. We're done. Once dug up, the mink will be incinerated as corporate waste. Health authorities, so <laughs> they're burning. They're going to wait till Greta Thunberg hears about that. That little dopey teenage chick is going to have a rage fit when she finds out they're burning mink. They're going to, she's going to go nuts. Absolute nuts. Health authorities said keeping the animals buried poses no immediate pollution risk with regard to lake streams as well as drinking water. The government is trying to bring to a close a chapter that forced a cabinet minister to resign and ended Denmark's reputation as a country that fought off the pandemic more ably than most. Prime Minister Mette Frederiksen has had to defend her role in the debacle after it emerged. She didn't initially have the legal mandate to demand a full call of Denmark's roughly 15.4 million mink. Killed them all. The rushed and messy process that followed drew harsh criticism from Parliament and the country's mink industry, with just a few months ago had been the world's largest, and now it's pretty much zero. But Fredrickson has repeated her initial warning that her government's decision to demand that all Danish mink be culled was appropriate. The country's top epidemiologist <laughs> warned at the... Oh my God, folks. They got their own Dr. Anthony Fauci. And the Denmark Dr. Fauci said, kill all the mink. Kill them all. That's good for us. Warned at the time that the animals were highly efficient at spreading the coronavirus, and Fredrickson said Danish scientists were worried that the mutation found in the country's mink could derail vaccine efforts. <laughs> Speaking of feckless clowns, <laughs> well, they follow the science, folks. They, I mean, I don't know how many, I guess at least 4 million mink are dead. I don't know if the full 15.4 million are all slaughtered, but these idiots sitting around and the, uh, the Denmark... Danish Dr. Fauci wanted them all dead. So these dopes, kill them all. Kill all the mink. And now they have to dig them back up and burn them as corporate waste. Well, you folks in Europe, aren't, aren't white boy Michael McCarthy, aren't those folks in Europe held up? You know, we're always like looked upon as the, uh, the morons and the dolts of the world. And these idiots. <laughs> Killing mink to follow the science. Oh, good Lord. Why am I reading this story? Oh my God, we're almost done with Malcolm X. We got a couple more stories left. Olivia Munn, I don't know who this chick is, touts her Kamala Harris Christmas sweater, deck the halls with smart, strong women. Kamala la 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 la. <laughs> and look, white by Malcolm X. Yes. There's a picture of this stupid chicken that, honestly, God, folks, that's what the sweater says. Actress Olivia Munn, who I have never heard of, is helping to make the season bright with a Kamala Harris-themed Christmas sweater. In a Twitter post on Wednesday, the X-Men actress, so that's where she is. I don't watch the X-Men, so I, I know all the those 
raging uh, liberal pajama boys in their basement ready for the next installment are probably cursing at me right now, but I don't watch that show and I don't know who the hell she is. Said that she is getting in the Kamala Day spirit by decking the halls with smart, strong women. Happy Kamala Days, my new fave holiday shirt by. She captioned the post as she shared a photo of her new beloved sweater, which looks like crap. Love it. I showed it to my 11-year-old daughter, and she said, yes, every woman needs one of those, tweeted one enthusiastic user. I used to sing, come, they told me Barack Obama to the little drummer boy, and I can't ever hear the song without it now, tweeted. <laughs> you liberals are sick. <laughs> Can you see some dopey liberal chick singing, um, I'm not singing again, folks, but the Barack Obama to the little drummer boy. You know, they probably masturbate to it, too. Well, here's where it gets good. Other users were far more negative, trashing Senator Kamala Harris for her relationship with former San Francisco Mayor Willie Brown. She exchanged sex for position. Yeah, there are plenty of leftist women who are strong, but that's not a hill to die on, tweeted one user. I don't know how to break this to you, honey, but smart, strong women don't sleep their way to the top. If it wasn't for Willie Brown, she'd still be a low-level lawyer in California, tweeted another. Others were more critical of Harris's tough prosecutorial record. And these are more leftists. Smart, strong, sure, but good and worth celebrating? Hardly. While she did implement some modest reforms, she also ruthlessly prosecuted the drug war and withheld evidence in multiple death penalty cases. She should be in prison, not the White House, tweeted one user. Man. Earlier this year, after Creepy Uncle Joe announced that Kamala Harris, who I think I will start calling... Kwanzaa Kamala would be his running mate for the 2020 election. Actress Jessica Chastain posted a video showing off her daughter's collection of dolls bearing the likenesses of powerful political women, including the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Senator Elizabeth Warren, hey, white boy Malcolm X, that's our Senator Pocahontas, and Senator Kwanzaa Kamala. Can you see white boy Malcolm X? We gotta get our hands on. I guess they have a Pocahontas doll. You see a, a Elizabeth Warren bobblehead. A lot of kids play with Marvel characters and Barbies, and that's fine. But my kid, she plays with superheroes, Chastain said in the video as she displayed her Kamala Harris doll. Hello, Madam Vice President. Good. Ness. I don't know what Kamala Harris has done other than sleep her way to the top. I don't know why she's such a strong woman. I guess she is to the liberal women. She is very strong, folks. She's strong sleeping with Willie Brown. I keep thinking this article is like an Onion article. It's a fake article, but I don't know. We'll figure out. Second to last story. This is from News Hub, and here's the headline. <laughs> Study finds eating healthy people's poo can reduce symptoms leading to heart attacks and type 2 diabetes. <laughs> a study. Who does this? <laughs> who sits around going, hmm, I wonder what eating poo would do. <laughs> you know who would do that, folks? I think they call them um, coprophiliacs. Yes, white boy Malcolm X. A, he's giving me a look like, what the hell? A coprophiliac. I think that's what they call it. It's like a urophiliac, um, which is um, urine. A coprophiliac is, it's a, it's a fetish. Someone who gets sexually aroused at, at, at poo. And um, I remember when I was taking one of my, taking my deviant sexuality class, I was learning all these different things. And this is a true story. And I'm out with a friend of mine at the time. And I had just learned about urophilia and coprophilia. And, and at the time, now this was, folks, this was back in the, um, 
in the mid 90s. So obviously dogma has changed significantly. We're now you are you're better than the average person. If if you are sexually aroused at urine and feces, you are better than the average person. But the at the time it was described as abnormal behavior, not normal. It's it's not a normal reaction to urine or or feces to become sexually aroused. <laughs> and so I'm telling this to um, a friend of mine, and he's like, well, "What's wrong with it?" <laughs> I think he was into at least the urophilia, which I don't know, not my thing. But you know, as I said, I said that uh, a week ago in my last, in the last live broadcast. As long as you're not hurting kids or animals, I'm very libertarian about these things. I don't care what you do to each other, with each other, how many you can get a group of you, whatever. None of my business. I don't care. But you know, he got a little offended at that. But I guess we have a potential coprophiliac wanting to uh, think about the health benefits of eating people's poo. A study looking at whether eating healthy people's poo could make you lose weight has <laughs> some remarkable, though unexpected, results. So they went into this, folks, thinking it's a good dietary. I guess because you eat the poo and you throw up. <laughs> so you eat like a, I don't know, what do you eat? Like a big lasagna and have some beer and stuff, all this high-calorie stuff, and then you eat some poo and then you puke it all up. It's like a, it's one of these anorexic things. <laughs> well, it didn't make participants lose weight. It did reduce a condition that can lead to heart attacks and type 2 diabetes. I don't care, folks. I'd rather have a heart attack than eat someone's poo. It was a radical experiment that became the subject of a TV documentary, The Good, I'll just say, Hit, (laughs) and just put an S in front of that. Professors Wayne Cutfeld and Justin O'Sullivan from the Liggins Institute at the University of Auckland. So I guess that's down in Australia where they like to bang sheep set out to discover whether they could find a solution to the world's obesity epidemic in our feces. We want a diverse community, like a little city of bacteria, all working together, all helping us, because they basically are the interface between you and your environment, O'Sullivan said. Participants took 28 capsules, so they didn't get just a little nibble of the poo, folks. They got 28 capsules. I bet they were the gigantic ones. Containing the gut bacteria of four healthy donors over two days. Holy crap, that is a lot of poo to ingest. Much to the delight of the scientists, the bacteria survived in the gut, but while the bacteria stayed, so did the fat. We thought they would get dramatic weight loss. It didn't happen, Cutfield said. But what they did find was really quite exciting. <laughs> I bet it was. What we did see was that metabolic syndrome almost disappeared in those treated. Metabolic syndrome is a condition with higher blood pressure, higher blood sugars, higher lipids, too much tummy fat. Major risk for diabetes, major risk for heart disease, he said. Cassandra Lindsay was borderline pre-diabetic, but after taking the gut bug pills, the condition was gone. My body was reacting completely normally, like my blood sugar wasn't spiking as it was at the beginning, which is very positive, she said. So, On that note, folks, coming soon to you, poo pills. Enjoy that. And finally, we are at our last story. It is a smoking gun story, but unfortunately it is not in Florida, but it is, well, not the second, uh, not the second best thing, but maybe fifth or sixth down on the list, Pennsylvania. And here's the headline, drug dealer claimed he gave out free meth. And I wonder if my ex was there getting some of that. Pennsylvanian 56 busted on narcotics distribution counts. A Pennsylvania man, no doubt probably from Florida, 
charged with narcotics distribution, claimed to police that he did not sell methamphetamine, but instead gave it away for free to those who came to his storage unit and asked for the drugs, according to a criminal complaint. Mark Hiles, 56, was arrested Saturday for allegedly selling drugs from a storage unit several blocks from his home in Altoona. Hiles, free on $50,000 bond, faces a pair of felony drug charges and three misdemeanor counts. So we definitely know we're not in Florida because that would just be a bunch of misdemeanors. So white boy Malcolm X, apparently Mark Hiles would, you know, you could go up to his, um, his storage unit and he'd be like, hello? He'd be like, I'd like some meth. And he'd be like, oh, I guess that's how you ask for it. I want some meth. Um, well, I, I don't know if you, I'm assuming you just get it in the crystal form. That's why they call it crystal meth. And like, if you want to shoot it, I guess, you, I don't know what you do. You, uh, It's like heroin. You, you put it on a funky bent spoon and you just kind of heat it up until it liquefies. And you ugh, stick a needle in your arm. But I guess he's like, he wants some meth. And he's just like, um, you're know, like, how much? And he's like, oh, no, here's free, here's free meth. Just, just take the free meth. Okay, then. According to police, Hiles and Tyler Bartney, 25, so he's got a young man with him, were collared after investigators found them inside Hiles' storage unit, which appeared to be used as a residence. During questioning, Bartley reportedly admitted that he worked as the middleman, setting up drug transactions between Hiles and street buyers. So this Mark Hiles, who apparently gives away free math, has some young man in his, uh, in his storage unit living up in there. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if he is the tiger queen of, of meth. He could just be like a meth king with uh, young boys. just like And Trump, I'm still pissed at you for not, not uh, pardoning the tiger queen. That's a different story. Bartley told cops, so this little young man who's hanging out with Mark Hiles in his storage unit with meth. Hmm. He's a little snitch, too. This little bitch is title failing. Bartley told cops that he would exchange money for drugs at Hiles' storage unit, adding that a large amount of methamphetamine was to be in the storage unit. When police searched Hiles, they recovered baggies containing meth and bath salts. <laughs> because they go together. Marijuana and three glass pipes with residue. In a post-arrest interview, Hiles was asked about the foot traffic to and from his storage unit. Hiles explained that his friends stopped by to see him because they know he has methamphetamine. <laughs> the complaint states... The defendant denied selling methamphetamine for money, but stated he would provide methamphetamine to users for free when they asked. And I bet they asked all the time. Investigators reported that they were familiar with Hiles' storage unit since they had responded there last month <laughs> following a suspected overdose death. So they got a... Someone died at his storage unit from the free meth, and it took the police like a month... <laughs> I wonder if something's going on there. Mm. I mean, how many people die of drug overdoses at storage units? But I guess not enough for the uh, those Keystone cops to figure something out. While a large quantity of suspected heroin had been seized, cops said Hiles was not charged in connection with that incident because Hiles, folks, does not deal with the heroin. He deals with the meth. Hiles' rap sheet. Here we go, folks. Here we go. Includes multiple drug convictions for which he has served several years in state prison. Hiles told cops that he is currently unemployed and on disability with a monthly income of around $1,300. Well, I, you know, look, look, Mark, if you sold the meth, you earn a little bit more. But, uh, well, that's that one, folks. Not as good as the Florida story, but I think we can end on a high note there. So, we are done. Hey, thank you very much for tuning in to another podcast of the Miller Frost Show. 
remember again that you can reach me a couple different ways. Email miller at millerfrostonline.com. My Twitter handle, those schmucks haven't um, suspended me again yet, <laughs> is at Miller Frost Show. And my parlor handle is at Miller Frost. So, hey, folks, have a great start to your week. We are coming back on Wednesday, correct? Quite by Michael Max? As I thought we would. So we'll be back on Wednesday for our last our last show of the year. Uh, but in the meantime, have a great start to your week. And we'll see you back here in a couple of days. Take care. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org heart. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.